Hello everybody, this is Brother Eddie again. Um, actually sitting in a vehicle today. I'm in so I'm not in office type setting, but I was I found some good information and I thought, you know, this is worth sharing. So I wanted to uh so if, it's it's raining out today, so if you hear if you hear the rain, just forgive me as long as you can hear my voice and what God's gave me to share today. Listen, um uh, I want to read a passage of scripture and um I want to talk just a little bit about the body. We, uh, we're living in a place, in a situation today. We live in a world and a time frame that people, there's so much hatred, there's so much racism, there's so much diversity. In, and it's not just in the world, it's among saints. It's, you know, I, I know some people that won't worship with another denomination because they don't believe the way they do. But I'm going to share, maybe take just a few minutes here and share what God has laid on my heart today and talk about the body. You see, because uh, we are the body of Christ, and the body of Christ is to work together, not be separated. There should be no division, or the Bible calls it a schism. There should be no schism or division in the body. You know, and, and the body of Christ operates exactly like a literal body does. Let me read to you just a few minutes out of First uh, Corinthians chapter 12. Starting at verse 12, it says, For as, as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews, Greeks, whether uh, bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the whole body were hearing, where would the smelling be? But now God has set every member, each one of them, in the body as it pleased him. And if, they're, if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now, indeed, there are many members yet one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor can the head say to the feet, I have no need of you. No, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the, of the body which seem to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our presentable parts have greater modesty. Uh, let me jump down here. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it, that there should be no schism, there's that word, or division, in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Now listen here. If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually, and God has appointed these in the church, some apostles, some prophets, some teachers, and after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, uh, the varieties of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, or do all have gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, and do all interpret? He said, but earnestly pray, earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. I wanted to talk just a few minutes about the body, the body of Christ. We, I was reading an article the other day, and, and, and I, God really 
really began to deal with me on the body. And I have uh, friends, and I know racism is a big issue in America right now, and uh, it seems to be brought out when you get people that feed it and feed into it and people that buy into it. One of the reasons I quit watching the news so much is because of the nonsense. You stay mad and aggravated all the time. But that ain't what I'm here today for. I want to talk to you today a little bit about the body. Now, why are why do we call the church the body of Christ? Now, in the New Testament, Apostle Paul referred to the church as the body of Christ. And he used this as a metaphor to relay the significant truth about the church to help other believers better understand the value and the diversity within the church. See, we're, we, we are, when, when I say diversity, I mean there's, there's different, there's different uh, churches that maybe worship different ways. Maybe they, are, uh, they, they teach different, they preach different, but we all have that one same common goal, and that is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And when you get when you get out of that, when you get out of the context and you start teaching other stuff, that's when you get out of the Bible. But I'm going to use common denominations like Baptist, Methodist, Church of God, Pentecostal, Apostolic. Um, you know, we all are different. And I know that some some people they won't go into another church because let's say this person here believes in the spiritual gifts, and this person here says we don't. That's not for us nowadays. But what we got to do and realize in order to see the the lost come to know Jesus and be saved is we all got to lay this this denominationalism and all this what I'll call it garbage. We got to lay all this aside and we got to come together in one mind and one accord for one cause, one purpose, and that's lifting up the name of Jesus and getting the lost saved so that nobody has to die lost and go to hell. Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, he said, just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit to form one body, whether we're Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we're all given one spirit to drink from. Even so, the body's not made up of one part, but many And the church is called the body of Christ because Christ is the head of the church and we're called to do the work of Christ. Just like each member of our body, we have different skills, different purposes. We have different gifts, spiritual gifts, mind you. We... Yet every believer, all of us are equally important to the full function, mission, and efficiency of the church. See, we, we, we are all called to do one thing. You know, in our body, this is something, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've been in medical before. I've I've studied EMT and worked with fire and rescue and stuff like that before. And when, I'll never forget when I took the EMT class, it absolutely amazed me. I mean, this is a whole complete different message, but it absolutely amazed me how that God so formed and so meticulously designed the human body. And when you understand that from a medical viewpoint, and then you read this in the scripture, it just absolutely blows my mind how somebody couldn't believe that God is real, you know, because this this body and this this great architect that God created is not something that just poof happened in a big bang. It just no way. It's too intricate. It's too detailed and it's too minute. God knew what he was doing. And and yet he created us as one body. And he created us with him as the head of the body. 
just like our body in our in our head is the brain. If the brain loses function, if the brain shuts down, guess what? The whole body shuts down. It's the central command center for our whole body. The brain sends signals to our hands. It sends signals to our toes. It sends signals to tell our hair when to grow. And it's the same way, it should be the same way in the body of Christ. I don't care if you are a lay member. I don't care if you're a pastor. I don't care if you're a flaming evangelist. I don't care if you're somebody that just goes in the prayer closet and prays. You are just as important to the top, the top part of the body. God created us, everyone, and even the little toenail on your little toe is just as important to the hair that's growing on your head. It is there for a reason. God placed you in this body for a reason, and he has a work and a purpose for you. I hope somebody gets this today. So what does the body of Christ mean? It's a significant term for the church. It's a good way to understand the church. It affirms that Jesus is the head of the church. We as believers, we follow Christ. We listen to Christ and we let Christ guide our steps through the Holy Ghost, just as the head of the body does. Likewise, this term for the church acknowledges diversity within the body of Christ and how good this is for the church. The body needs many parts, many gifts, talents, and skills to function. We as believers need to work together to accomplish this mission that Jesus gave us rather than trying to do the same thing. Each of us can con contribute that which God has called us to do. You know, Paul explained it like this in 1 Corinthians 12, 16. He said, if the ear should say, I'm not the eye, I don't belong to the body, would that be a reason for it to stop being a part of the body? If the whole body was an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body was an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Fact, in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as it pleased him. Now, that's according to 1 Corinthians 12. You can read in verses 16 through 18. Each believer is valuable to the church, and each of us is a needed part of the body of Christ. And our diversity, our gifts, is something to be celebrated and recognized as part of God's great design for the church. Now, what does the Bible say about being the body of Christ? The term body of Christ is used in, in several books in the Bible. And from these references, we learn what it means to be the body of Christ. And this term, we understand why it was used to help us to understand the role of the church. Romans 14, or excuse me, Romans 12 verses 4 and 5 says it like this. It says, for as in one, as in one body we have many members, and yet me, and yet, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. See, though we're individuals, we as a body of believers were called to be one in Him, one in unity, one in spirit, one in Christ. We're all to be unified or united in the faith through the Lord Jesus Christ and faith in Him. Ephesians 4 and 12 says it like this. It says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. That's in Ephesians 4 and 12. You know, it talks about, it says, when... 
when the church or the body of Christ works together and we're joined together in faith, we can function properly in the role that Jesus has given to us. And when there's no harmony in the church and there's division, well, it'll be difficult to fulfill its mission. That's why we got to be as one. We need to quit pulling one way. You know, it, it, this ain't spiritual tug of war. This is, it's a war, but God has called us to work together. He didn't call us for the Baptists to pull one way and the Pentecostals to pull another way or the Nazarenes to pull one way and the Episcopalians to pull another direction. There is There has got to be a common ground where we can all come together in one mind and one accord. Honey, you're talking about a revival. You're talking about seeing the power of God move in a country and see the manifestation of the kingdom of God here and see miracles, signs, and wonders happen. You let the day come when Baptists and Pentecostals can worship together. I, I know I was raised a free will Baptist, Southern Baptist, Christian Baptist is what my grandpa called it. My grandmother was a, was a church of God. Uh, we said, I said under, uh, Jesus name, apostolic Pentecostals when I was young and, and, uh, got away from it for up until I started in ministry and God revealed some things to me. Now I'm back into apostolic, but that word apostolic does not mean nothing. When it comes to the body of Christ, I should be able to walk into a Baptist church and I should be able to get up and teach. And God's not going to send somebody into a church to cause confusion. That's why I say church of gods need to be together with Baptists. Baptists need to be together with the free Pentecostals. Apostolics need to be able to worship together with everyone. There needs to be a line drawn in the sand for the kingdom of darkness and telling them you don't come across this line because we're all one body. We're all unified. We're all one spirit and one mind and one accord. And guess what, devil? You've had a bad day because now when that day comes, you can look for a Holy Ghost invasion to take place. But see, what we run into in the world nowadays is too many people's wanting a, denom a denominational pat on the back. You know, they want to report, oh, my church has this many members on Easter Sunday, or my church had this many members show up for this. And, it, and it's all, you get on Facebook, well, Easter's coming up. You'll see what I'm talking about. Everybody and their brother will be on there bragging about we had 300 uh, people at service today. We had 600. Used to be, and I'll not mention the denomination out of respect, but I was a part of a denomination once, they, once every quarter they would re report to their headquarters how many people had been baptized in the Holy Ghost, how what church paid the most tithes, what uh, uh, how many people were saved. You know, and they got away from it, but I think they got away from it because there's people like me that brought attention to it. That stuff's not important. What's important is we all need to come together in one mind, in one accord, in one unity, in faith for the cause of the kingdom of God and see a revival take place. We are all part of the body of Christ. We are all one body. We are all one church. Jesus didn't give his life for 10 churches. He gave his life for one church, one body, and we should all be joined together. Yes, Jesus is the head of the body. Colossians 1.18 says Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So what's some other names for the church? I know I'm talking about the body of Christ, but, you know, we find the term body of Christ, you know, it's all, all throughout the New Testament. And there's other metaphors used to describe the church as well. You know, and uh, 
I believe that each of these metaphors are used. I, I think they're descriptions of uh, God uses metaphors. I, I mean, I really believe that. Well, it's obvious. He uses metaphors to help us understand clearly what he's saying to get his message across. Okay, in Acts 20 and 28, we're called a flock. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to care for the church, which he has obtained with his own blood. 1 Timothy 3 and 15 says, if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. See, we're called the household of God right there which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of truth. So we're called a household of God and a pillar of truth. Okay, in Ephesians 2, 20 through 22, we're called a holy temple and a dwelling place for the Lord. Ephesians 2, 20 says, Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being fitly joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Holy Ghost. I love this one. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, we're called a holy nation and a royal priesthood. But you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you didn't hadn't received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That makes us a holy nation. A peculiar people, he calls it. A royal priesthood. So, what what's our purpose, you know? I mean, I know there's people listening to this, you know, maybe, maybe not. I pray that you listen to it, and if you hear it and agree with it, which I don't see why you wouldn't, <laughs> because the need is out there for the people to unify. Psalms 133 and 1 tells me, this is one of my favorite scriptures, he said, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And if you run out the reference of that word brethren, that simply means saints, brothers and sisters in Christ. How good and how pleasant it is for the people of God to dwell together in unity. That's his purpose and his desire. That's what he wants. So what is our role? You know, in your own mind, you know, ask yourself the question, what is what is the role of the church in planet earth? Before Jesus left the earth, he commanded his followers. Now listen here, Matthew 28, 19. Before he, command, before he left the earth, he commanded his followers to go out into the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to obey all things that he had taught. This is the primary role and function of the body of Christ, or the church. Believers, hey, listen, we've been commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ himself to share this gospel message and to teach others about his saving grace. That's our purpose in planet Earth. And in Matthew 22 and 36 through 40 says, when Jesus was asked the greatest commandment and asked him what it was, what did he say to him? He said, to love God, to love one another. This too is an important role of the church. Believers must love God and they must love others. All that we do must be done in love. You know, when we read about Jesus, we see a perfect example 
of what he wanted us to do and set out love for others. In fact, he gave up his own life on a cross to save the whole world. The atheists that don't believe in him. The Satanists that says they worship the devil. The 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 uh, junkie on the street who's pumped their veins full of, of drugs. Everybody that walks, everybody that breathes, and everybody that is a human being, he loved that person no matter whether they believed in him or not. He loved them so much. He loved you and me so much that he gave his life for us so that we... We didn't have to die lost. These two powerful instructions from him, from Jesus, they serve as our foundation to the primary role of what we should be doing here on earth. And when you understand this, then it becomes clear that it's only the church that could do these things. It's only us. It's only the body of Christ that can fulfill these things that Jesus commanded us, the things he taught us. How should we be functioning? How can we be a functioning, helpful member of the body of Christ? I'm going to read something to you, and I'm going to get out of the way. This says, as members of the body of Christ, we have been given spiritual gifts. Using these spiritual gifts is a key part of how we go about being a faithful member of the church. Christians have different skills, different personalities, and we've been designed by God in a purposeful way so that we can love God, love others, and share the gospel. As the body of Christ, we should embrace the diversity within us, affirming and celebrating the spiritual gifts that each of us contribute, rather than ranking spiritual gifts. We know that all are equally important according to God's word. As a member of the body of Christ, we are called to serve to take care of each other and bear the fruit of the Spirit. To be a part of the body of Christ is to have found hope and salvation in Jesus. It is an honor to receive the gift of salvation, which we cannot earn ourselves, but that was freely given to us when Jesus died on the cross for the world. This term, body of Christ, helps us understand what it means to be a part of the church. Jesus is the head of the church, and we as believers make up the church, and therefore we're deeply connected to the work and the mission of Jesus himself. Every believer has been given certain spiritual gifts and skills to contribute to the church and is valuable and important to the furthering of the kingdom of God. If I've ever read anything besides the Bible that's true, that's truth right there. I did a video, just a little minute or two minute video here last week and posted it on facebook with one of my dear friends he's a black guy and uh i told him i said we need to do a video sometime so i went down to meet him and talked to him about some things and uh he said hey, he said we need to do that video today i said yeah we do we need to do that and he said no i mean like right now and i said well i got my phone with me so i jerked the phone out of the vehicle and laid it on the side of the window and propped it up there and we done a video talking about how his skin's darker than mine but he got O positive blood and I got O positive blood you know what that means that means that if he gets in a need for blood you could run an IV from my arm to his arm if I need blood you could run an IV from his arm to my arm and give blood why life of the flesh is in the blood that's in Leviticus you read it for yourself that's Bible the life of the flesh is in the blood 
But O positive blood in a black person and O positive blood in a white person is no different. The blood, which is the key ingredient and the key factor in life-giving force, has nothing to do with skin color. I absolutely love it. This I, I told him, I said, you know, this racism has got to stop. That's not really what I intended on getting on on this little short message here in a vehicle in the rain. <laughs> but, you know, that's what it is. I, I, I want to let people know that, listen, we need to lay all this nonsense aside. We need to start seeking God for ourselves and then for one another. Because I'm telling you right now, when we bind together and you know, I think what's the Bible say that a, a cord with more strands in it is harder to break. I'm here to tell you right now, when, when the body of Christ, and it's going to happen, it's going to take a little time. People will realize it, but it's going to happen. When all of us come together as one body, one unit, hell's had a bad day. I'm telling you right now, if I can get two or three, one can put a thousand, two can put ten thousand. If I can get two or three, heck, if I can get twenty or thirty, to just stand together and bind together in unity and pray for the unity of the body of Christ, there has never been a move of God or a Holy Ghost invasion like what happened when the body of Christ comes together as one. Listen, folks, I love you, and I pray that you've got something out of this. I really, I really wanted to share this with you and get that important point across that we are the body. We are the body of Christ, and when we stand together in one mind and one accord, well, there's only about anywhere from, I think, 120 on the day of Pentecost. It was only 120, and it changed the world by being together in unity. Friend, I love you, and I pray that you got something out of this, and it's my prayer that everybody comes to know Jesus before it's too late. I bless you today, friend, in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ.